0: If you don't know who I am, I am TJ Stout. I am the student minister here at Waterfront Church. What is a student minister? A student minister gets to work with all the craziness at the church. So I get to work with the 6th to 12th graders here at Waterfront, and our ministry is so much fun. We have like fun all the time. Crazy things happen all the time, and our kids they like, view me as like, this person that's like, close to their age, but not really. So I get like, conversations with my kids that like, they don't have with their parents because they're like, hey, he's kind of young and semi-cool. First off, I know that I am not cool. And like, that's step one to becoming like, a youth pastor is like recognizing that you are lame and it is okay. But my kids come to me with things and questions and they look for advice in the strangest things. Just this past week, I buy, and I said, and she said, TJ, look at these shoes. What shoes should I buy? And I said, why are you asking me what shoes you should buy? I mean, it's just like the most random questions. And it's not always just like shoes and like video games. Like sometimes it's like big life decisions. They're like, what college should I go to? And I'm like, out of all the people in the world, you are asking me what college you should go to. I'm like not the person to ask. But one thing I've noticed is whether it's something big or something small, my students come to me already knowing the answer to the question that they are asking, right? Because that's what we do as teenagers. We know everything, but we know that we should probably ask around a little bit. And I've noticed that probably like 50% of the time, it doesn't matter if I give like the greatest, the greatest advice where I'm like, man, I did, I answered it in a way that their parents would have wanted me to, like I backed it up with scripture, it doesn't matter. About 50% of the time, they do the complete opposite thing. And I think back to my teenage years, and I'm like, hey, I did the same thing. Like, I get it. My opening question for you guys this morning is this. Has someone asked you for advice and then done the complete opposite before? Last service, everybody was like, yes, yes. I saw a few head nods in here. We have all experienced this before, where somebody comes to us seeking advice whether they're going through something difficult, whether they're trying to make a difficult decision and they come seeking for advice and you give them an answer and they do the complete opposite. And you're just sitting over there like, why did you even come to me if you weren't going to listen to me, right? It can be so frustrating when you're the advice giver. So frustrating. A specific story that came to my mind was I was an RA at my um, university. RA at certain schools means like hall monitors. At my school, it meant that you were basically the hall parent. Like literally, I would teach students to do some like very basic tasks, like how to scrub a toilet. They would come to college not knowing how to clean a bathroom, not knowing how to make their bed. And so I would help with those kind of things. But a big part of my job was to babysit the freshmen. Oh, sweet little freshman. And we had students that oftentimes would come to college and they weren't quite ready for it, right? Maybe that was your story, but we had one student. We'll we'll say his name is Ryan, okay? So Ryan moved into like our apartment. It was a three bedroom apartment and he lived in the like apartment room right across the hall. So that meant Ryan had access to me all the time. Like he didn't need like badge access to get into my room. Like it was just there. And Ryan, let's just say, struggled with school. Ryan was not a very dedicated student. He spent more time playing video games than he did anything else in life. And because of that, Ryan learned very quickly that maybe he didn't do any high, like, homework in high school, but he actually had to do work in college. Unfortunately, he found that out like a semester and a half too late. And so Ryan, that first semester failed two classes, two very important classes that he needed to pass in order to get into the program he desired to get into. That was crazy competitive. So one night, I'm sitting there, finally, like, of course, I had just settled in. I was like, now I get to do like, my study time. And all of a sudden, you hear on the door. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. And it was Ryan. And I said, Ryan, come on in, what do you need? And you could tell he was crying, but try not to like show that he had been crying, right? Cause that's what we do as guys. And you could tell he was just overwhelmed that he just didn't know what to do. And I was like, hey man, what's going on? And he like paints me this picture and he's like, you're probably not gonna believe this, but like I'm failing my classes. And I was like, really, that is crazy, Ryan. Like I had no idea. And he's like, in the classes that I'm retaking this semester, I'm failing them already. I'm like, we're like two two weeks in, dude. Like, what's going on? And he goes on to paint this picture, basically where he's realized he's already put himself at least a semester behind. If not a year behind, he's a freshman, guys. Like, somehow he's like in worse shape than he was before he started. And so Ryan is just like, I spent so much time, I spent so much money, like, am I even gonna get into this degree program? And he's like, what should I do? And, like, first off, I was like, this is a trap. Like, I shouldn't be the one answering this question, right? So I say, have you talked to your, like, academic advisor? It's a good place to start. And he said, oh, TJ, you you know this. You've been here a few years. They don't know anything. And I was like, well, that's probably not the right attitude. I'm like, you should probably reach out to them to see if they can help you and see what, like, your next course of action is. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. I was like, okay. I was like, have you talked to your parents? Because my guess is your parents have probably invested a lot of time and money to get you here. And he was like, my parents, they're dumb. They don't know anything. First off, that should have been like a giant red flag that like this kid clearly had made up his mind what he wanted to do, and that he wasn't going to listen to anything. But he said the magic word, I want your opinion. I want your opinion, what I should do. And me wanting to help this kid, me having an understanding of kind of his circumstances, his situation, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be the person. I'm gonna be the person that like shines a light on what he should do. So I started walking through kind of, you know, his finances, started walking through his GPA and how it was gonna be very, like almost impossible for him to get into his program. And about halfway through, I was like, oh no. He is not receiving this well. He's not taking any of this advice. And I'm not exaggerating. These were his exact words. As he already said a few choice words to me, he grabs the door, and as he's slamming it, because you know he had to make like a big grand exit, as he's slamming the door, he's saying, he said, You're not my dad and slams it. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I was just trying to help you out. You came to me for advice, and the advice that I gave you. Like maybe I wasn't the right person to share that. Like I, as a 20-year-old, you make mistakes, right? But at the end of the day, I was trying to help him. Like I cared about Ryan and I wanted to see him get on track. But Ryan responded a lot like we respond. When life is crazy and life is chaotic, a lot of times we get so caught up in our emotions that no matter how sound, no matter how good the advice is, we become deaf, to it. We don't hear it. We don't receive it. Well, a lot of times we get like very defensive. I'm sure you can think of a time in your life where you were told something when you were given advice, when somebody tried to point you in the right direction and you immediately like put up a wall or maybe you slammed a door and yelled at somebody that they, they weren't your dad, which is super weird first off. But we have all done this. There's something in us when our heart gets racing, when our emotions get built up where we get defensive and sound advice and wisdom, we don't wanna hear it, we don't wanna receive it. Last time I spoke with you guys, we started this series in James, which we're gonna continue today. If you don't know anything about James, I'm gonna give you a really, really quick recap. James is written by James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. If you didn't know, Jesus had half-brothers. Now you do. And one of them is named James. James is, this is honestly one of my favorite New Testament letters. I love this one, and I love it so much because you can only think about what James's life was like, right? Can you imagine being born into a family and they're like, yeah, your older brother, he's fully God, fully man. And you're like, what? Jesus? Like, that guy? And that, like, I would be so confused. And that's where James was at. James heard about who his brother was. He probably heard the account of how his mom got pregnant with Jesus, all these things, and he was like, I don't know, that's Jesus, my brother. And so for a long time, he doubted who Jesus was. He doubted that he truly was the Messiah, and he spoke out against it. It says in different places in the New Testament that James thought Jesus was crazy, which I think is understandable, right? But then... It all changed after seeing Jesus's ministry, seeing him killed and come back to life, his resurrection. He began to become a Christ follower. He laid it all on the line to serve his brother. As I mentioned last time, he didn't just like say that he was a Christ follower. He lived it out. He became one of the pillars in the church of Jerusalem. He helped the church grow. He got to share what he had learned from his brother with, with what he learned from his brother with the church. And he began to just have such a big heart for those Jewish believers, those that have converted to Christianity. But then in the Roman Empire, persecution broke out. And Jewish believers were scattered all amongst the Roman Empire. And so he is writing this letter to those that are experiencing persecution. They're experiencing hardship. And he's writing this letter and saying, look, I know you are navigating difficulties. I know that things are difficult right now. I want to help you. I care about you. The way that I wrote this, or the way that I described it last time, it's like a father writing a letter to his child that he cares about so, so much. James wants to see them navigate these hardships, and he writes it in a very practical and easily applicable way. Today, we're going to be in James 1, starting in verse 19. Before we jump into there, our million-dollar question for today is this. What can, and I would say should, we do when life gets crazy? What can we do when life gets crazy? Many of you are like, life is crazy right now. I think if we were to describe 2020 in like one word, it may be crazy or insane or wild, like out of control. So many things are out of our control. And maybe right now you see your life is kind of like this chaotic mess where there's so much uncertainty, there's so much doubt. And James is writing to those that were experiencing some of the same things uncertainty, doubt, scared for their lives, didn't know how they were gonna get their next meal. So I think this is very applicable to to us today. Let's start in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, we take note of this. We're gonna stop right there, which I know you're like, why are we stopping already? But my dear brothers and sisters, do you get what James is trying to do here? He's addressing his audience and he's saying, Look, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, I care about you so much. I know what you're going through right now. I know that it's hard. I know that it's not easy. But I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to get this. You see, when we go to people for advice or they come to us trying to give advice and our world is crazy. Like I said, we get defensive and here I believe James is trying to break down some of those barriers and he's trying to say, look, I'm not coming to you from a a place of pride. I'm coming to you because I care about you, because I love you and I want to see you succeed. I want to see you seek Christ in the midst of all of this craziness. Let's continue reading. My dear brothers and sisters, we take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. So we're going to look specifically at like 19B. So everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What I love about this right here is this applies both to human relationships and also our relationship with God. And I'll explain that just a little bit going forward. But the first thing I want to point out or that I think stands out, we are terrible at listening. What do I mean by that? So I was trying to think of what we do here in DC. And like we did this a little bit like other places I lived, but like in DC, this is like the most thrown around phrase in the world. When you see somebody that you haven't talked to or caught up, to, caught up with in a long time, what do you say? Hey, we should grab coffee sometime we should grab coffee sometime. Like we, we've all said it, maybe you're not a coffee drinker, so you're like, we should grab dinner or lunch sometime. And then we finally, after putting it off and probably having that same conversation four or five times, when we finally schedule that coffee date and we sit down with that individual and usually we're like, so how's life? So how's life? And that person is like, I get to talk about myself. And so they just go off and just share everything that's been going on in their life, right? And then what do you do as the person sitting there, supposed to be listening? All of a sudden, it like turns into Charlie Brown's like, teacher, wah, 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 wah. Like you know they're saying stuff, but you haven't listened to a word they've said. I know like there's times like I'll be sitting there with my wife and she'll say something and like I am so preoccupied in my mind with like what my, how my fantasy team's doing things at work. And like I, She'll be like, did you hear anything I said? I'll be like, oh, yes. And she'll be like, what did I say? I'll be like, I have no idea. Like, we all do this. I think especially when life is crazy, our brains are moving so, so quick that we don't slow down and truly listen. We don't comprehend what people are saying to us. We just get so caught up in the emotions. I'm gonna tell you a story, and if my little sister is watching this, I'm so sorry that I did this to you. My sister is the youngest of six kids. She is seven years younger than me, maybe six, I don't know. Terrible brother moment right there. But she is six years younger than me, the youngest child, so the age gap between her and our oldest is gigantic. And any younger, like youngest children in here, anybody? a few of you. So what I have noticed about the youngest child is they want attention so bad. They want it so bad. And so they will like see them like up there and like flipping it like 40 times. You're like, that is so unnecessary, but they just want attention so bad. And my little sister, Samantha, she falls into that and her thing is talking. She loves to talk, like loves to talk. So like now when I call her, I'm just like, I can't have anything else on my schedule the rest of the day because I have no idea how long this is gonna go. But as kids, I would just ask basic questions like, hey, I heard you went to Target today, like how did that go? And she would walk me through every single step. She'd be like, well, you see, when we got there, there was an open parking spot on like the third row, like second spot on the right. So it was a really good parking spot. The car next to us was blue. I think it was a BMW. Like it was so beautiful. Like I would love to get a BMW like that one day. And then when we went inside, like I saw the shirt that I really liked, but I didn't really like the buttons on it. And she just goes into so much detail. And I'm like, I just wanted to know, like, what did you get? Like, I didn't know everything, didn't want to hear everything that you looked at or everything that came to your mind. Like, I just wanted to hear the very basic things. And I would literally tell my sister this. I would say, Samantha, stop talking. Samantha, stop talking. Like, it's a running joke in our household. They're like, remember when you used to tell Samantha to stop talking all the time? Like, terrible brother, I feel so bad about it. But if we're being honest, a lot of times we have that thought when we're around people. Hopefully you never say that to an individual. You're not like, stop talking. Like when you go into that coffee, you're like, stop talking. I, I can't, he- I don't want to hear you anymore. We're terrible at listening. And that leads us to the second thing that stood out to me is we love to talk. We love to talk. And you can't be an effective listener if all you're doing is talking. Like you just can't be. I remember I w- took a counseling class, and like they were like, "What is one of the biggest reasons that marriages fail?" And it, like a big thing was communication. And this like guy that has like every degree in the world, he's got like so many doctorates. Like one, of the, the thing that he is known for, he's written so many books, is there's like this little like I guess, thing that he puts on the table between couples, and it basically just says, "You are the talker." and you are the listener. And he makes couples go, sit down, and they have to use this like thing and they flip it around when their times change. And he's like, because we all want to talk, we all want to share, but we don't want to listen. And what does that cause? That causes tension in our relationships. Because when we don't feel like people are truly understanding what we have to say, we get really, really frustrated. And I think the same is true with us and God. We may know a lot about God. We may know what we should do in the midst of craziness and chaos. Maybe you've grown up in church and you're like, look, I can give you the blueprint on my next steps to help me get back on track. And we may say, God, like, I know I should do this, I should do this, I should do this. And we're all talk, we're all talk. We don't put any of it into action. Or we're so busy. We're so busy that we never take the time to truly listen to him and to find that wisdom and that insight, whether that's from godly individuals or whether that's from God's word itself. So when we fail at communicating, whether with God or with man, anger stirs up, frustration stirs up. We get hot-headed. Our emotions overwhelm even more so, and it leads us to slamming our doors and saying, you're not my dad. When we don't slow down and seek God, it makes things worse. So what can we do when life gets hard? First one is slow down and calm down. Don't tell people to calm down. That's really bad. Don't do that. But that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath. We need to take a step back. We need to let our heart stop racing so much. And we just need to get a proper perspective, Lord. We need to begin to prepare ourselves to truly hear from the Lord. My question for you is, do you spend more time talking about seeking God or actually seeking him? Do you spend more time talking about seeking God or are you actually seeking him? You may know what you're supposed to do, but are you doing it? Or are you just saying, I know I need to do this and then you just leave it there? What can we do when life gets crazy? Slow down and calm down. The second one, and man, this one is heavy. No matter who you are, this next point is heavy. Humbly approach the word. Let's continue our reading. Verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So James, up until this point, he has talked about the importance of when we're going through trials, when we're going through hardship, that we should seek godly wisdom, and we can gain that from a few different places. I feel like in a majority of the pa- or the verses before this, he is speaking about godly counsel that we can surround ourselves with, which I think is so true. I have been extremely blessed with men and women in my life that have spoken truth into me, that have shown me how to navigate difficult things. A few that come to my mind is my grandfather, men, my pop, Man, he is the man, like such a godly man who has always pointed me to Christ. Then I think of people like Pastor Zach. I think of my mentor, Rick Nicely in Northern Virginia. These men that point me in the right direction, but we can't get so caught up in seeking wisdom and insight from creation that we don't turn to the creator. I mentioned that last time I spoke with you guys. We need to go to the source. We need to go to that love letter that God gave us godly wisdom godly counsel is so important we see that repeated throughout scripture but we also have god's word that we can't just leave in our like room and let it collect dust we can grow and learn so much from it this made me think of a really nasty story so i'm going to clean it up for those watching online and those of you in the room Fifth grade, I had a teacher named Miss Vickery. Miss Vickery changed my entire academic life. Yes, in fifth grade, I needed an academic change because I hated school. But my fifth grade teacher, she made school fun. She cared about me as an individual. She saw potential in me. And so basically anything Miss Vickery said, like it stuck with me for some reason. You're gonna be like, TJ, out of all the things in fifth grade you're gonna share with us, it's this story. Yes, this is the story I'm gonna share with you. She began at the beginning of the year talking about her grandmother. I think she called her Nana. Her Nana began to lose her hearing, which is very sad. And she was so sad. She was like, I go over to my grandmother's house. I go over to my Nana's house and I just can't really talk to her anymore. Like she can read my like, lips a little bit, but she just can't hear me anymore. And like I was thinking about like, my nana, and I was like, if I couldn't talk with my nana, like that would be devastating. Like, I love my Nana. And so that really like connected with me. And so I would ask her all the time, I'd be like, How's Nana? Like, how's Nana's hearing? Is it getting better or is it getting worse? But it just I mean, for the entire year, it was getting worse. It was getting worse. And like it broke my heart. And then one day she like bust in on Monday and she was like, You'll never guess what? And I'm like, What? I don't know. And she was like, Nana's hearing is all better. It's fixed. And I was like, fifth grade, I was like, how does that work? And she went on to tell me that Nana hated the doctor, which I completely understand. I hate going to the doctor. But Nana hadn't been to the doctor in a very long time. Nana also had a very bad habit. And maybe this is a bad habit of yours. She would like to take the, like, cotton swab or whatever it's called, Q-tip, and, like, shove it all the way in her ear, which, of course, caused the earwax to back up and, like, clog up her ear. And she had done this for so many years that she could no longer hear, which that is disgusting, Like if you think about it. And I was like, Ms. Vickery, like, what do you mean they cle- cleaned out the earwax, what does that look like? And she told me and I was like, I can't really visualize it. So of course I went home and like, looked it up on YouTube and I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Fifth grade boy moment, right? But she had had, on the outside, Nana looked fine, right? But when you looked inside, there was so much filth. There was so much gunk that had built up that had prevented her from being able to hear, being able to listen to her granddaughter. And when I read this passage, it made me think of Nana. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I think if we really look at our lives. Maybe on the outside, we look good, right? Maybe like our family is like, you are so godly, you are doing amazing things up in DC or wherever you are, and you feel pretty good about yourself. But if you were honest and you looked in your ear canal, if you looked at your heart, you would recognize that there's things in your life that are keeping you from truly hearing from God. Are there things that You need to confess to God. Are there sins that you have hidden that no one knows about? If anybody found out about, you'd be so ashamed and you've just been like keeping it to yourself. Because what does James said? Get rid of all moral filth. No matter who you are, no matter if you're a pastor, no matter if you're an elementary school teacher, whatever your job is, we can all examine our hearts and see areas that we need to give to God. Places where we've missed the mark. And these things can keep us from hearing from Him. Just because you look good on the outside, you're, you and God are the only ones that really know what's on the inside. So, my question is Is there sin you need to confess in order to better hear from God? Because I know when life gets crazy, when it gets difficult, that's probably when temptation is the greatest. Where maybe you've slipped up, you've made mistakes. Is there something you need to confess to him today? What do we do when life gets crazy? Slow down and calm down. The second one is humbly approach the word of God. And then the third one, submerge yourself in the word. Let's pick up in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Nike, that's where they got their slogan from. I'm lying, that is not true. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, if you have like a pencil, a highlighter, like circle that word intently. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What can we do when life gets crazy? Slow down and calm down. Second thing, humbly approach the word of God. And the third thing, submerge yourself in the word. Submerge yourself in the word. I grew up in a minister's home. My mom gave me like my first Bible before I was born. It was there waiting for me at the hospital. And she, literally my entire life, my mom has read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's important. You know, Sunday school teachers, read your Bible. Pastors, read your Bible. I, and if we grew up in the church, we've heard this idea over and over. We maybe know the importance of reading our Bible. We were given a Bible without words, just with like weird cartoon images, right? And it, we, as a kid, we knew that was important. We probably carried it and made sure that nothing happened to it. But do we submerge ourselves in the word of God? Oh, If I'm honest with myself, like this year I was like, I'm gonna read through the entire Bible. Like I may do other studies, I may do other things, but every day I have an alarm that goes off at 10 a.m. and it reminds me to do this like reading plan. And some days guys, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I read it to get it done. I do it to check off that box. Is that looking intently into the word of God? Or is that just doing a task? And then some of you are like, "Like I get reading your Bible just to check the box, but honestly, I haven't even cracked my Bible open in months, years. We can say the Bible is important. We can say that it can change our lives, that it can help us, it, it, it can guide us. But do our actions truly reveal that? Like I said, this week as I was studying this, like, good heart check for me. It reminds me of a passage that many of you have memorized if you went through Strand. All of you, if you went through Strand, should have it memorized. And that's Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. When life gets crazy, when life gets chaotic, it's easy to put up that, that wall to get defensive, to not hear sound advice. But I believe if we are submerging ourselves in God's word and we're taking it seriously, it's not just I did this, check the box, but we're truly studying it. We're memorizing it. We're digging into it on a daily basis. It can guide us. It can help us through difficulties. And then when different things come up, when we are tempted, it's amazing how God's word can speak life into us and guide us when we're tempted, how a passage can come into our mind. But are you submerging yourself in God's word? The question is, are you spending time in God's word? And are you applying it? So what, we, what can we do when life gets crazy? Slow down and calm down. The second thing is humbly approach the word of God and make sure that that ear is cleaned out, that your heart is in the right place. And the third thing is submerge yourself in the word. I'm gonna ask the band to sneak up. And while they're sneaking up, I'm just gonna ask you guys, is your heart in a place where you can receive sound advice? Are you seeking sound advice in God's word? Or right now, does the Bible, you're just like, look, I am not about it. Because I know if I look in God's word, it's gonna show me the truth. It's gonna show me where I'm really at. Because that's what a mirror does, right? Like sometimes you look in the mirror and you're like, ooh, that's what I look like? And the Bible does the same thing. It reveals to us where we're really at. Are you avoiding that truth? Are you avoiding that advice? Or are you digging into it? If I can just have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. In this time of reflection, I just have three different groups that I want to speak to. The first one is, especially in this city, especially in this time of craziness, there's some of you today that just say, look, I just need to take a deep breath. I just need to slow down. I just need to recalibrate. If that's you today and you just say, TJ, can you pray for me? I just need to slow down. I just need to calm down. And trust him. If that's you, if you'll just raise your hand so I can be praying for you. I see you, I see you. So many of you. I'm gonna be praying for you, not only right now, but going forward. Then that second, that second piece, humbly approach the word of God. Has there been gunk that's been building up? Has there been filth that has come? into your life that you just need to take to God and be like, God, I know you already know this, but I just want to do that 180. I just want to turn from the way that I'm living. I want to get rid of those things that I'm addicted to. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand but during the next few moments, I just want you to take this time just to confess to God. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He is there with his arms open wide saying, I love you. I want to have a restored and healthy relationship with you. I want you to listen to me. I want to help navigate, help you navigate these difficulties. Just take a few moments just to confess if you need to confess. And then some of you, you have more time than you've maybe ever had But today, if you're making the commitment, TJ, I'm gonna submerge myself in God's word. I'm gonna make an effort, not just to read my Bible, but truly to spend time meditating on it. If you're making that dedication today, if you'll just raise your hand, I see you guys. We can hold each other accountable. I know that I need some accountability in that area too. I don't want to just check that box. I want to be growing and maturing. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for everything that you have given us. Dear God, even when the world is crazy, even when we get defensive, dear God, we know that you are there, that you are trying to speak truth and life into our lives. Dear God, I pray that we don't put up barriers, that we don't get too defensive, that we aren't afraid of what's in the mirror. But dear God, that we run after you, that you are the one that we are seeking. We love you so much, Lord. Amen.